Good morning, my friends. It is Wednesday, September 19th at 9.42 in the morning, and I'm here to bring you, I'm your host, Jack Johnson of Jack's Facts, here to bring you your third and delayed episode of the Jack's Facts podcast. Oh, man. It is, um, it's early in the morning here. It's, we're getting towards late September now, and it is still way too hot outside for it to, uh, be this late in September at this point, so uh, we could we could really use a nice cold front. And I was really just saying that because I have no idea where to start off in this podcast because, um, like the previous two, I haven't made an outline yet. Well, actually, that's not true. I did make an outline for the first two podcasts, <clears throat> but then I just kind of wound up reading it off like a list and felt like it was too rushed, so now I'm trying it without one. Okay, um, what do we have going on today? Um, one thing that I wanted to talk about in the last podcast that I didn't get to um, regarding politics is that um, I believe that a bottom-up approach is needed in politics as opposed to what it is now, which seems to be really top-down focused. And what I mean by that is that, um, you know, in typical conversation or so forth, uh, people are always talking about the president, the House, and the Senate, which are kind of, you know, uh, the the top, I would say, this top-down process. You know, the president's kind of like the the chief, you know. He's the, uh, what was the, what's the exact term that I'm looking for? Um, I don't know, whatever. He's, he's the top dog, you know. He's the guy that we all like, the guy that we all kind of look to as, like, the, uh, the leader of the nation, you know, the, the leader of the free world, really. Um... He's the guy that we kind of task mentally with all the responsibility of getting things taken care of in terms of, you know, our best interest and the country's best interest. And um, when things don't go that way or seem to go the opposite of that way, um, often, you know, the president is the first to be criticized, yelled at, or blamed. And stepping into the role is kind of what they accept. Um, but I think that a lot of that blame is misplaced for what it is that's being, you know, complained about and so forth. And um, I think that. Like I was saying previously, the solution to this is a bottom-up approach, meaning that instead of trying to change things directly around you in your area or your city or your town or your school or whatever it may be um, by voting for a specific president or a specific senator or a specific, uh, you know, congressman for the House of Representatives, all of which are things that, you know, we should all participate in and, you know, be well informed on and, uh, I guess, perform into the best of our abilities. But what's overlooked very often is the local level of politics and, um, you know, like your city council or who it is that's sitting on your school board, you know, deciding the curriculum or the budget for what's going to be spent at your children's school, you know, um, city council, you know, deciding how funds are going to be divvied up amongst the city. You know, maybe they're talking about putting in a new trash service, putting in uh, public walkways. Maybe they're taking money away from cleaning up parks and public services. Maybe they're just taking money away from those public services in general for whatever else. You know, I'm just giving off random examples here. Uh, the point is, is that, you know, very often people have no idea who their mayor is. I know that we have a, uh, you know, I live here in Nashville. I know that we have a female mayor and um, as much as I'm preaching this now, I'm not as informed as I probably should be, but I do know that earlier, about a year ago now, she was looking to, uh, or I don't know if she was, but it was proposed to put in a massive transit system here in Nashville. 
And what this would have done, it would have been, uh, I think, a minimum of a six-year-long project. And so for the first three years, it would cost like $1.2 billion or something absolutely, you know, just insane. And uh, what they would do was they would shut down a majority, uh, you know, like a major part of the like central roadways of Nashville. And for the first three years, it was planned that they would like shut it down and make an underground bridge. And it would be a pedestrian bridge, like a pedestrian walkway. It's like this giant, long, dark underground bridge would be a pedestrian walkway for three years before they shut it down again for another three years to like put in this transit trolley system or whatever it was supposed to be exactly. So, I mean, in essence, what they would have done wasted $1.2 billion to create this crime spree for the first three years and cause massive congestion all through traffic for six years. And uh, I, in my opinion, I think it would have been a giant mess. Now, obviously, it didn't wind up going, well, not obviously, but, you know, it didn't wind up getting voted through and so forth. But, um, yeah, that is definitely something that happened. Uh, another example here in Nashville is uh, they don't actually allow Airbnbs in residential areas anymore. Um, or if you do Airbnb in a residential area, it has to be owner-occupied. So you can't, um, you know, like buy a house next to yourself or next to like, you know, or just buy a house, not live there and Airbnb it for a price unless it's been grandfathered in after they shut it down like four years ago or maybe not four years ago, it was like two years ago. Um, but, you know, that's local government manipulation of the free market right there. You know, who's to say that, you know, actually what it was, I know exactly what it was. It was some pissed off, um, you know, local level congressman here who was upset because like both of his neighbors on either side of him were Airbnb houses. So he was very upset with the fact that he didn't have like steady, consistent neighbors he could build a relationship with. And so this salty asshole decided to go and uh, get them back. Hold on. Okay, everybody, sorry about that. My buddy came over and uh, and I have short attention span, so I can't quite remember where I left off, but uh, I know that it had something to do with politics and working more of a bottom-up from the local level towards the federal as opposed to the federal towards the local with much disregard for the state and the local, uh, as typically seems to happen. <clears throat> um... Yeah, I don't know, I guess just as far as my own experience with that, you know, I did uh, run in a congressional special election. Uh, I flew out to Phoenix, Arizona to participate in the District 8 congressional special election for the House of Representatives. Uh, we unfortunately did not win the race, but, you know, I was out there for a week. Um, and, you know, for the whole week, it was really an amazing experience. Uh, I'm very grateful that I got to have it. You know, it was just... Uh, running around putting, you know, like handmade flyers into people's doorways, like thousands and thousands of these flyers, um, going out, you know, putting them onto people's car windshields, which, you know, I'm sure is annoying to have to deal with, but it gets message out there, gets the message out there nonetheless. And, uh, you know, just talking to people and watching them like actually come to, you know, legitimately be engaged in, um, you know, like what this person's uh, platform is, the issues that they're running on, you know, what it is they would like to do, what it is, uh, you know, just, and then you know, talking to these people, seeing their responses on it, uh, what they would like to see happen in the area, and then actually seeing them be able to, you know, talk with the gentleman who was running, um, which was Brennan Dilly. He's a, you know, a life coach of mine. Uh, he does professional coaching sessions. He's a, you know, phenomenal political commentator. He does Periscope daily. Um, I believe his at is at Hublife on Twitter, if I'm not mistaken. Let me double check that for you guys here. Uh, let's see. 
It's at the real hub life. It's Brendan M. Dilly. Um, like I said, he is, you know, great commentary and all of it. Um, you know, real funny guy, very, uh, outspoken. Um, you guys should definitely go give him a check out, but being able to watch these people like, you know, walk up and just sort of talk to him as this congressional candidate and like actually be able to have these conversations, um, and watch it, you know, go down as well as being able to talk to Brennan directly and, uh, you know, his, his whole staff that he had regarding the whole thing. You know, there were people from news networks that were helping him out. Um, one of those being Your Voice America, which is a rapidly growing conservative news network. Um, I got to work directly with the, uh, I believe, the executive producer, co-producer of that. Uh, her name's Ann Vandersteel. She's brilliant. She's worked with, um, I don't know, all kinds of people. Um, she worked with James O'Keefe. Uh, she's been in contact with, like, Milo Yiannopoulos' publisher way back when, when, you know, he was still kind of on and popular. Um, the James O'Keefe work was really incredible. No, in my opinion, just because anything that that man has done is, like, just the, the pinnacle of journalism, in my opinion, and not the, not the slanderous bullshit, but actually in, actual investigative journalism where, you know, he's going and finding out what's going on, actually exposing it. He did a phenomenal job exposing um, the cover-up of physical and sexual abuse of minors in schools by, uh, you know, teachers and other officials and administration within the school, and uh, he basically would, uh, you know, get this individual to go in, sit down, and say, hey... Uh, you know, I had this significant other or this family member who happens to be a teacher. Um, you know, they either got overly sexual or overly physical, over or physically confrontational with a student. You know, what should they do? And these, you know, student union leaders would then tell these individuals that uh, the best thing they can do is have them come in and talk to them. And they've had, you know, many, many cases similar, you know, where people wouldn't lose their tenure, be able to keep their jobs and just have to teach in a different district. And I really just sick, disgusting stuff. Um, this past day, James O'Keefe also put out a video exposing the, you know, the quote-unquote deep state, where he showed a gentleman who was working for um, uh, the Justice Department, maybe some department within the federal government, um, some civil service department, and uh, you know, he just this guy goes on is on camera unknowingly, obviously, but he's on camera talking about how he's a card-carrying member of the Democratic Socialists of America. He's a very open socialist. How he'll waste time at work, you know, put off his work responsibilities of, you know, being a civil servant and serving our country, making sure that our infrastructure could be upheld and we can continue to work as we do to, like, draft up emails. And as soon as <clears throat> he officially clocks out at 530, he'll start sending all these drafts he's written up during the day on his actual work time. Um, so this is, you know, a literal declared socialist using your tax dollars to continue the agenda of socialism. And from what I understand, he has many more videos of uh, other individuals doing the sim similar actions or the same thing. <clears throat> Let's see. That was kind of a weird transition away from the local politics thing. But anyways, yeah, it was really cool, you know, just I remember one time specific to go back to running on the congressional ele election and so forth and with the whole bottom up politics thing. It was really cool, you know, we... Uh, his last name's Dilly, so he'd have a slogan, Dilly Dilly, you know, like the Budweiser commercial. But um, it was really cool. Like, I remember one time we were walking around putting some flyers and doors and so forth, and uh, these general, these guys drove by in, like, a mail truck, and they were both just kind of, like, hanging out the window. They were like, hey, Dilly Dilly, you know, just real excited. And I don't know, it was just really cool to watch strangers get excited about what's going on in their own neighborhood and the fact that I got to be a part of that, especially when, you know, I just flew in from out of state. And uh, it was just a really amazing experience, so... I would encourage you guys to see who's running in your local areas. 
you know, see what their views are. Um, call them and ask them questions. Talk to them about it. You know, most of the time these guys love to ask questions, especially or answer questions, especially from younger individuals, because you know they because the the way that it seems to work is that the younger a person is, the more potential they have to have uh, influence in the world. Or the more potential they have just to, just the more potential they have in general. You know, there's just uh, endless possibility. That's why I think people like children so much, you know, when they're young. It's because they just, they're so full of life and, you know, just endless possibility. They can still do whatever. <clears throat> Where are we going now? Um, let's see. In news recently, we have what the order declassification of the text messages uh, so Donald Trump has ordered the Department of Justice, including the FBI and the Department of Defense, maybe something like that, um, to immediately declassify, I believe, the unredacted versions of the Peter Stroke, Lisa Page, James Comey, and Rod Rosenstein text messages, uh, as well as a specific set of pages of the either the FISA warrants themselves or the FISA applications that were used to obtain the FISA warrants, uh, you know allegedly illegally. <clears throat> and what's really funny about this is that you have all kinds of people uh, that were, that are pro-Russia collusion story are now freaking out about the ordered declassification of documents pertaining to the Russia collusion story, which, if there was any bit of credibility and factuality to, would not be the case. And if there was any bit of credibility and factuality to it, Donald Trump would not be ordering these declassifications. Uh, so what this means is that, in my opinion anyways, that it is in fact a witch hunt like Donald Trump has been <clears throat> claiming for the past year and a half or two years, um, and that there, I believe, was a legitimate conspiracy by a handful, if not more, uh, larger network of individuals bent on keeping the current president out of office by any means necessary, and they tried to go with uh, old Cold War fears of, like, Russian collusion, which has now backfired on them, it seems. Also news, this is old news at this point, but can't remember what was going on the last time I did my podcast, so we have Elon Musk on Joe Rogan's podcast, smoking, smoking Big Doink, um, Elon Musk's out here smoking weed on the podcast, now under investigation by the Air Force, I believe, because he had some contracts with him, which is really hilarious that he's under investigation because, I mean, clearly there's just a video of him smoking, even though he didn't inhale. You know, if Bill Clinton can be president and say that he didn't inhale, then, I mean, I think that we should give Elon a break for the Air Force, you know, cut him some slack. <clears throat> um, yeah, I don't know, like I said, I, uh, I eventually want to get to 30 minutes, right now we're at 15, but uh, I've got my buddy waiting on me, and we're going to go uh, check out a gun shop, so that's it for this week, sorry it was delayed, uh, hopefully I'll talk to you guys again around this time next week, take it easy.